Good morning. Good morning, Kim. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Good, thank you. <laughs> okay, so first I would like to thank all of you for attending our Facebook Live today and introduce myself. My name is Kim Dews. I am CPC, CRC, ICD-10, <coughs> AAPC certified. Uh, um, a coder and auditor and have been in the healthcare industry for over 22 years. I'm a regional director for Billing Paradise in Texas and the Central U.S. Territory. I provide client services and revenue cycle management system to my respective client base. Um, our macro MIP subject today, I have personally worked with numerous providers over the past several years on PQRS extrapolation and successfully submitted through a registered portal for all of them. Um, the name of the portal I have used in the past is called New Jersey Innovation Institute. It's njii.com. They are excellent and um, they are very helpful to help you uh, review your measures before they're submitted so you understand what, um, what the results will be. I am here today to discuss with my co-host, Holly Cassano, who is a CPC, CRC, ICD-10 certified with AAPC also since 2006. She has also worked um, in the healthcare industry for well over 20 years. Um, along with uh, that, she is also a regional director for Billing Paradise in Florida and the Northeast U.S., providing client services and revenue cycle mm -hmm. management system to her respective client base. She is here to help me discuss today's Facebook um, She is here to discuss the Facebook um, live broadcast uh, regarding the coming changes to healthcare, uh, the landscape for macro and MIPS. Together, we will be conversing on the various nuances that provider must be aware of to avoid negative payment adjustments going forward. Uh, that will impact not just their CMS contracts, but all payer contracts across the board that you participate with and how you can prepare your practice. All right. So, um, thank you, Kim. I'd like, to say on, I'd like to say on behalf of Billing Paradise, they are pleased to offer the following tools and services. Some are free and some are at cost to existing and new clients. Billing Paradise is a, uh, a billing company. They offer coding, auditing, uh, revenue cycle management. So uh, we have a MIPS eligibility status verification. We have a quality payment program. Uh, uh, it's called the QPP measuring. We have a MIPS calculator. We can help you with your, provi your provider-specific PQRS codes, which is what you submit 
either through your EHR or on paper. Um, those are uh, provider specific. So we can help you um, zero in on your provider specialty. We have the MIPS checklist. And we also have a free loss reco uh, recovery revenue. We call that our LRRA. This is a, a value pack report that will assist practices in discovering their monetary deficiencies within their revenue cycle uh, process. And we offer solutions to the, the missing dollars. Uh, we also have a free 60-minute macro consultation post-webinar. You can sign up for it, and uh, it'll be on first-come, first-served basis. <coughs> so, Holly, we're just going to dive into it. We're going to go into what clinicians and elements of Medicare payments are impacted by the QPP. So do you want to speak a little on that? Yeah, that sounds great, Kim, and thank you for the uh, very welcoming introduction. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. So basically, you know, CMS estimates that over 710,000 providers will be affected by the quality payment program, which is also called QPP, um, and those changes, which are this year, 2017. And it, this actually launches the first performance year for the QPP. Of note, um, not all providers will be subject to the coming changes. Close to half of U.S. physicians are not familiar with MACRA and MIPS initiatives. And per uh, Deloitte's recent survey of about 600 doctors, um, additionally, almost eight out of 10 physicians stated that their preference uh, for fee-for-service um, is definitely over the various risk-sharing value-based programs under MACRA and MIPS. But what they are forgetting is that MACRA and MIPS is here for the duration. It most kind of, definitely is here for yeah, the duration. Those are some staggering numbers, you know, when you think about it, 710,000 providers um, you I know, and so. the fact eight that, out of 10? yeah, eight out of 10 are not even familiar, you know, and would prefer fee for service, but that's because they really don't understand macro and MIPS. So that's what we're here to hopefully assist people with. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, of note, providers and payments that are included, um, any services billed under the Medicare physician fee schedule, MPFS, will be impacted. Specifically, the adjustments will apply to the work practice expense and physician liability insurance malpractice, and the relative value units, which are also known as RVUs. Uh, physicians, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, clinical nurse specialists, certified registered nurse anesthetists, and groups that include any of these clinicians um, are included. And then the providers and payments that will be excluded are the inpatient perspective payment system, IPPS, Outpatient Perspective Payment System, OPPS, and Ambulatory Surgical Center Payment System, ASCPS. Providers are grouped to fall below the low-volume threshold of 30000 or less in Medicare billing uh, charges or 100 or less uh, in Medicare patients, and then also providers in their first year of billing Medicare will be excluded. You know, let me add to this, Holly, that Medicare mm -hmm. has been very busy sending out letters to providers letting them know uh, their eligibility. Um, mm -hmm. we have, yeah, they're sending them out and doctors are receiving them. And so, uh, if they get a letter from Medicare stating that they are eligible for the MIPS program, they need to give that to their revenue cycle, uh, department and let them know so that they, uh, put a plan together. And so that's what this webinar is about is to help you put a plan together to make you aware, um, mm -hmm. how just very important this is. So right. everything you just said, what does that mean, Holly? What it really means is that a physician's MIPS score represents his or her 
comparative performance in four categories. And the four starts with 50% being in quality measures, 25% in meaningful use of their EHR, 15% goes to right. clinical quality improvement activities, and 10% goes to cost, basically. Yeah. Right. So that's their breakdown. Mm -hmm. um, so that gives you 100% of the breakdown. Yeah, 50% is, so, is sitting in that clinical quality measure program. So that's why, you know, those PQRS measures that were being submitted prior um, really need to be looked at by specialties going forward. Well, absolutely. And, and some of the PQR, uh, PQRS measures have just dropped off. Some of the ones that oh, yeah. were used in 2016, they got rid of them. And so now they... Uh, you need to review the PQRS measures and make sure. And furthermore, um, Medicare is going to tell you, if you're using PQRS measures and you are closely monitoring your EOBs, which you have to monitor your EOBs from Medicare, um, there's a treasure trove of information on there. Uh, you can also, what's the website you go out to find the meetings for the, um, it's the Washington. Anyway, you have to really read your um your Dunning messages on the bottom of your um, your EOB. Yeah, I mean, pretty much you, you can just, you know, we, we can provide that post-meeting, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, you can go to your CMS website, you can go to your local Medicare intermediary, like for Florida. Sure. Right, and if you don't understand one of those messages, then you go to your local um, you do, you go to your local MAC, and then you'll be able to uh, read up on it. But Absolutely. monitor those EOBs and and the letter that you get from Medicare. Put a plan together, and because we're already going into the month of June. Okay, Correct. so let's talk about um, transitioning from PQRS to the MIPS program. Mm -hmm. So three well, small. <coughs> we have um. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say that we have, uh, you know, just a couple of tips for small practice providers, you know, that we want to share. Um, number one is to review and understand uh, your, your 2015 quality and resource use report, your QRUR, which you should already have. And if you don't have that, then, again, you can go to your local MAC website, and they can instruct you on how to download that. Um, determine your MIPS eligibility and document all patient encounters in your EHR. Um, for providers that have participated in the Physician Quality Reporting System program in the past years, and even for those that did not, the complex requirements created by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services uh, for the Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, MIPS, can be daunting. So below, um, you know, we, what we have done is we've decided to outline a few things that you can do as a small practice provider to set yourself up for MIPS success going forward. So let's talk a little bit about that EHR. In that EHR, if there is not one person that's watching that EHR for the company, there really should be. You need to have somebody monitoring the EHR, monitoring your um, PQRS measures and how they're collecting. Make sure they are collecting all the PQRS measures for your specialty. If they're not, then you have to jump on it. And, and what I mean by jumping on it is, is you get on the phone with that um, practice management uh, company and you start talking to them about how can I fix this? Uh, what are the steps for me to fix this? If you have to buy um, IT time in order to, um, you know, to get it fixed, then do it because it will be worth it. Mm -hmm. I agree. And, and just additionally for MIPS eligibility, um, 2017 is the year to determine your MIPS eligibility, as we said. And CMS has designated 2017 as a transition year. 
which will allow the small practice providers to be exempt from the MIPS payment adjustments that will be applied in 2019. This is the year to review the requirements for MIPS eligible providers and the exemption criteria in order to be able to determine if your practice should take action this year in order to bypass a 4% negative payment adjustment in 2019. And that's pretty significant. Uh, for the MIPS eligibility? Mm-hmm. The other thing we want to drive home is that you really need to document all your patient encounters. Um, so in order to meet uh, with compliance for MIPS, all patient encounters must be documented in whatever EHR your practice uses. Um, this is really the only way that the MIPS program can quantify the data as it moves Medicare providers to a performance-based payment system. The system actually rewards uh -huh. use of health IT and high-quality care, and the program applies to all patients for all payers, not just patients that use Medicare Part B. Um, it is pretty much mission critical to thoroughly document all patient encounters using your EHR in order to ready yourself to track or report the comprehensive data to CMS, which reflects best practices in overall patient care. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that there needs to be an echo through the canyon that says documentation, documentation. That's the echo. That That's mm -hmm. really what this is all about. Um, everything is going <coughs> to loop back around to provide a documentation. So not only mm -hmm. for coding, but it's also going to be for um, for your, uh, your MIPS. Yeah, for your MIPS measures. Yeah, I mean, right. so, yeah, I'd like to... I'd like to kind of expand because upon this is about quality. It's about quality. It's oh, yeah, about quality of care. And so mm -hmm. the only way you can tell them about quality is documentation. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I like to always say, because you know that I do a lot of uh, government auditing, um, you know, working with providers that have had issues with Medicare. Um, yeah. I've been doing that for a long time. And also, you know, I worked uh, in, with risk adjustment for many, many years. Um, Absolutely. actually... Yeah, so you and I have worked on a few projects. Oh, yeah, we've worked on quite a few. You know, and right. so one of the things, I mean, just to kind of share a little bit of insight is uh, with the documentation how important it is. Um, you know, the APC had asked me to um, assist them in developing the risk adjustment credential and the national exam several years ago. So I was on a, a team with about seven other folks with the APC, and we worked on that. And let me tell you something, it was a four-month process. And one of the biggest hurdles that we had to conquer was really discussing, you know, what components of that exam that we wanted to make, you know, circle around documentation and how important it is. And it was very interesting to kind of get that perspective because there was people from health plans, you know, big health plans on that uh, committee, as well as there was a doctor, um, other folks like myself, you know, amongst the eight of us in total. And, um, you know, one of the things I always like to say is you got to bulletproof your documentation. So in order to bulletproof your documentation, you first must have to know what you need to document. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, you do. And, you and unfortunately, do. you know, as we both know, it, you know, and through no fault of the providers, because they go to school really, um, you know, to, to be able to service their patients and to treat the patients. That's right, to take care of them. To take right. care of them. That's they right. They don't go to school, you know, to understand all the different elements of a note that they need to document. So it can right. be a bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. Right. So it boils down to collaboration. It boils down to collaboration on the clinical side, and it boils down to that collaboration between the clinical and the billing. 
There has Absolutely. to be a bridge that they meet in the middle and then they start talking about documentation. Um, and it's not about the, it's not about the revenue side. Um, mm -hmm. You know what I'm going to say. It's, it's not about the revenue, it's about the revenue side explaining to the providers what the elements are of that particular code. Correct. And how we meet the, um, the specific elements of that code so that the documentation proves it. Correct. You so, know, I mean, hypothetic so hypothetically, a doctor, um, <coughs> let's just say an urgent care center, they have a um, uh, impacted earwax. Well, they can't just say in the documentation that it was impacted earwax and here's the code. You have to describe the way that wax was removed exactly. in order for us to choose the right code. So that is the documentation part of it. And that's just a very simple example, but... Mm -hmm. um, you know, but I'll, uh, I was just reading an article from our buddy, Barbara Kabuzzi, last mm -hmm. night. And that's a big shout out to Barbara because we love her. Yes. Um, and we were reading, and I was reading an article with one of the team leads last night, and we were discussing mm -hmm. the fact that that is what the documentation was missing. It was missing that um, explanation on how you actually, um, we, see, we see in the documentation that you did a procedure, but you have to tell us how you did it so that we can choose the right code. So that's Correct. what the billing side brings to the provider. Of course, the provider is the expert. Um, obviously, he is the medical um, uh, trained doctor and he brings that, um, he brings that to the table. And so it, it's those two, those two departments meeting in the middle in regards mm -hmm. to documentation. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. It's funny, you know, um, with the use of these EHRs, it's so easy to do what I like to call the point-and-click mentality, you know, because yeah. sometimes providers, you know, in their busy day, as they're seeing people, um, you know, they just, they're just pointing and clicking, pointing and clicking, and they're like, okay. And, it, and sometimes at the end, you know, they go through it so fast, you can really literally point-and-click your way into a level five, like, on any given day all day long. A lot of these mm -hmm. EHRs allow that. So with that being said, you have to be cognizant not only of, you know, what it is that you're pointing and clicking and when you free text, but also with these measures to make sure that they are appropriate for the type of service that you're providing to those patients and yep. in your specialty. Um, you know, I, I uh, oftentimes had to, you know, I, I can recall many conversations with many different types of providers in different settings, trying to explain to them that, you know, this is not a level five. It will never be a level five. You know, and this right. is why. Because it's really based on medical necessity, as we all know. It is. And CMS will tell you right in on their website that medical necessity is the overarching criterion for any level of service, up or down, is how they look at it. Undercoding is not good, and overcoding, as we know, is not good. So you just have to make sure that your documentation is bulletproof, as I like to say, because then it will stand and hold up in the event of any type of audit. You just have to understand how right, and are. and that's and that's why and that's why getting an outside audit is a smart mm -hmm. thing to do to use internally for your own purposes. You Absolutely. can see, uh, it, you can have a bell graft given as to how many nine nine, uh, you know, between nine nine two eleven and nine nine two fifteen, and the nine nine two zero ones all the way to the nine nine two zero fives. You can see a bell graft of right. what your um, yeah, and so that's really 
powerful information for a doctor's office to have to help them zero down uh, and drill into um, their documentation through that audit. It's, it's really powerful right. to, to, to allow that to take place in your, in your practice. And, and, and Holly and I also know it's a little scary. We also know mm-hmm. that it's scary to make a decision like that, to let somebody else in, to take a look, but it's necessary. And then you use that information to empower your mm-hmm. documentation. You know, you don't know, you don't know what you don't know until you get audited, okay? And then that is <laughs> yeah. a real eye-opener for many people in practice yeah. today. And right. it also has been the cause of many practices shutting down, unfortunately. Not yeah. because they intentionally did anything wrong, but no, the... No, they didn't, they didn't no, wake up it, in the it, morning. No. No. The intent generally is not there. I would say in all the cases that I've ever been on uh, to review, you know, I would say maybe like 2 or 3%. Was there any even like maybe an inkling of intent or possibly? You know what I'm saying? I couldn't really right. <laughs> Most well, of it is, you know, um, providers just don't understand or, they have, or billing staff don't understand. And that's these are things that we can help you, you know, um, while we're talking about Billing Paradise, the company that we represent. Right. You know, this is what we're trying to say is that, you know, doing a baseline audit, letting us maybe do a baseline audit for your practice doesn't mean you have to sign up for services with us. We could just do a baseline audit for you. We could do an LRRA for you. We can do the macro right. uh, 60-minute consult for you. You know, you don't know what you don't know until you get audited. And that's something that right. you really need to consider in your practice. So um, we could definitely talk to you more about that after the presentation. Um, but getting back Absolutely. on track. Yeah, getting back right. on track. So you know, let's, yeah, there, there are a variety of options. Yeah. You know, I'm going to hand that one off right. to you for MIPS. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, MIPS does pr- uh, present some challenges. One is simply that there are multiple options to choose from as an eligible provider who wants to participate in MIPS. The requirements for MIPS participation vary depending upon what option a provider chooses. Of note, MIPS eligible providers need not select um, on a final participation option this year. CMS is not requiring registration for the program for 2017, so providers can take all of 2017 to decide the MIPS participation going forward. The, the, <clears throat> the current and the future forecast. So yeah, there's a timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a um, time. This is a timeline, but basically, MIPS reporting begins in 2017. The the yeah. twenty and then that reflects in twenty nineteen payments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's it does. I mean, basically, the 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 way Macro started it was uh, approved back in twenty fifteen, um, you know, by CMS. And you know, in twenty sixteen, the QPP quality payment programs, um, the fi- proposed and final rules were released. And then, as of twenty seventeen, this year, this is the MIPS inaugural performance year um, that begins. Um, <coughs> You know, since there are multiple reporting options for providers, it allows them to select an option which will work best for the practice. And uh, there are several options which can be selected in order to avoid a negative payment adjustment. One is reporting some data, which means, you know, maybe a month of data, two months of data, something like that. Then you can go to a 90-day data reporting period. And then you can do a full year of data reporting. 
for this year. It, it's right. really I mean, up to you. Of course, right. The full year is optimal, but you know, mm -hmm. some may not be ready. And we're not talking about just Medicare. No. We're talking about all your payers, all your payers across the board, all your patients. That is the data that you are collecting all your, uh, all your MIPS, all of it. <clears throat> and then that information is going to be sent through a portal to CMS. Correct. A registered, yeah. a registered portal with CMS. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and, then the um, adjustment, and then the adjustments will show up in 2019. Correct. Yeah, providers can, you know, as we said, providers can begin uh, collecting performance data as of January 1 of this year or they can select any continuous, uh, you know, period ending no later than October 2nd of 2017. Um, yep. So continuing with the timeline, as of 1-1-2017, providers who are ready to begin participating in the programs uh, were able to start collecting performance data and could result in a positive payment adjustment. MIPS payment adjustment right. for 2019 will be based on that performance this year of 2017. Mm -hmm. Then um, October 2nd of this year, providers who are not yet prepared to participate have until October 2nd of this year to begin collecting performance data and still could qualify for a nominal positive payment adjustment if they start in October. Uh, MIPS payment adjustments, again, in 2019 will be based on performance mm -hmm. this year, 2017. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, uh, the, as of 12-31-2018, meaningful use, Physician Quality Reporting System, PQRS, and the Value-Based Modifier, VBM, payment adjustments. Finally, and I'm sure with many people clapping, will sunset for Medicare providers at the end of 2018. Um, mm -hmm. I know that yeah. all of this is very challenging for, you know, providers that we've interacted with. And Kim, I'm sure you have uh, quite a few that you've interacted right. with. Right. I mean, um, I mean, honestly, at minimum, my recommendation is to get 90 days at minimum. Mm -hmm. That's just my recommendation. Yeah, I, I would at least go for 90 days. I wouldn't want to go for less than that. You know? <clears throat> right, and so this is why this is why I said in the beginning, uh, we're already turning the corner. Tomorrow is the 1st of June. So if you're going to collect mm -hmm. 90 days, that's June, July, August. If you're going to, you know, so I'm just saying there's, there's really only, there's only six months left to really grab that data. And 90 days right. is, that's just my suggestion. <laughs> yeah, you know what so I want to ask MIPS? you? I, I want to ask you a question what? about PQRS. Because um, I remember you were talking to me about it. You know, I, I have worked with some providers, you know, um, who are on the PQRS program, but I know you've done a lot of extensive work with providers um, and PQRS. So can you, you know, maybe share one of your, as I like to call it, horror stories <laughs> about a provider um, and how you straightened them I... out and what you did? Oh, yeah. Um... Well, I'll just take a, I'll just take a, um, all right, I'll just take a little, a little practice that I worked with. This little practice, they um, were basically starting from the ground floor up. They had a, um, they had a pretty decent practice management system, EHR combination, you know, under one umbrella. Not too bad, but one of the, one of the problems we ran into um, is uh, once the, the provider's wife, who was the office manager, once mm -hmm. we had our meeting and laid out a ground, ground plan for um, submitting her PQRS data, then what we were doing is we were talking about the collection of that data. So we dove into the EHR. We found 
90, like 8% of the measures, but there were two really big measures and it was a pain management practice. There were two really big measures that the EHR was not collecting. So we uh, went back round and round and round with the practice management system. And they basically said that they weren't going to make a change to the EHR specifically for that. So what we did is we basically found a backdoor process so that the EHR would collect that, those two measures. And so this is what I'm saying to the, the group of viewers is that in the event you have an EHR that is not collecting all your measures and you need them to collect all your measures, then you have to be proactive enough to look at your EHR find a backdoor so that it will, it will collect those measures and that they will show up on a report because it's the report that you're going to be submitting. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you find that back avenue and you work with your revenue cycle team also. And if you don't have a revenue cycle team, here we are, Billing Paradise. We can help you with that. So um, we can find a backdoor for you to make sure those measures are collected so that they show up on the report so that when you submit them to a portal, um, now I do know that some of the some of the EHRs they do have a method where they will um, they will uh, submit them for you, but what they're not doing is they're not scrubbing your PQRS measures. They're not telling you where you're deficient. They're not giving you advice. And so I really I really uh, recommend using a registered portal. And this is what they do. Yes, you pay them a fee, but what, you, what, but what they give you for that fee is they let you know ahead of time that basically um, your measures will pass because they've scrubbed them. They know, what the, um, they know what is expected of that particular specialty in those measures, and that's what you want. You want a registry that's going to help you. And so in the beginning, I mentioned a company called um, New Jersey Institute, and it's njii.com. They are excellent. They, um, their staff is very knowledgeable. They help you out. Um, they've worked with hundreds and hundreds of practice management systems. They reviewed hundreds of reports, hundreds of specialties, and they're just very, very good. Mm -hmm. So um, that is the company that I have used and I have leaned on to make sure that those measures are correct and to make sure that everything is the way it's supposed to be before they're submitted through the, uh, the portal. And then once they're submitted, they're gone. You can't you can't reach back in and take them. So yeah, so I do recommend that portal. It is very important. So yes, I understand that it's free to use um, an EMR portal, and yes, they they will submit them for you, but they're not going to scrub them for you. Now they going to be something you pay for. Mm -hmm. um, also on that website, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Don't they have? an area you can go to where they list all of the specialty measures? They do, and it's mm -hmm. just, yeah, the, the website is super user-friendly. They have all the measures out there. You just have to find your specialty, click on it, uh, drill down into them, and then you start the hard work of going into your EMR to make sure that your EMR is uh, capturing those measures that you see there. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have an excellent website. Mm -hmm. Because for those providers that, you know, possibly may not have done any type of PQRS or are very limited with it, um, you know, they'll be able to go in and they can download the measures for their specialty. 
which will help them with MACRA and MIPS going forward to identify that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is going to be the easiest year to get involved. I mean, it has been really a nail biter since 11. <laughs> honestly, yeah. it has been. And it's, this is really the easiest year to get involved. And so I really encourage um, all those watching and uh, mm -hmm. anybody that'll see this um, little podcast later on to really take that to heart because this, this mm -hmm. really is the year to get involved. And these measures are not going to go away. The, the quality payment uh, system, mm -hmm. it's coming down the pike, right, Holly? I mean, things are going to change a little Absolutely. bit. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and I mean, speak to that. Occam might be going away <laughs> or coming back right. in some regurgitated format. However, these measures are not going away because really what's happening is the government is gearing up um, with all the other payers um, to kind of come together, you know, under this one umbrella, you know, and, and under a risk type of environment, as I like to call it. Um, you know, everyone's heard of Medicare Advantage, you know, risk adjustment, all this kind of stuff. This is kind of what it's all heading towards. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, and but it's going to be—it's not going to be exactly like a Medicare Advantage plan. It's not going to be exactly like that because there's a lot of problems within that system, as I'm sure people have read in recent headlines over the past week or so with um, large payers. Um, but you know, it, it's really what it's all about is trying to gain control of the chronic disease issues within our country. We are one of the sickest yes. countries in the world with chronic disease. Unfortunately, um, but that's what this is: trying to get healthcare under control, trying to get costs under control, trying to make sure that we have more preventative care with well woman visits, well child visits, you know, well well man visits. You know, I mean, all this kind of stuff is where it's colonoscopies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because the cost. Yeah, your I mean, annual visit, your annual visit. Absolutely, your EWVs, all of it. Well, well visits, all of it. And they're trying really, you know, to get not just the primary care docs involved as the gatekeepers, but they're really trying to get, you know, the specialists involved. That's what all this uh, five-star rating, you know, that you've heard about, too, not to get sidetracked, but, you know, just to kind of expand a little bit. Um, that's really where this is coming from, because it used to be just health plans were under a five-star rating plan. Well, now they're not. It's also hospitals, it's practices, it's providers. You know, this is one of the first years that the providers are being looked at. Um, so, you know, when Medicare kind of says, okay, you know, with MIPS, with the MIPS program, they're basically saying we're giving you like a free pass, okay, they to get are. on board. All right. So when Medicare does you that, you, you need to sit up and listen and kind of see <laughs> what it's all about. You may not like it. You may not want to have to do it. You may have to expend resources, you know, to help you, you know, join, join in. But you really need to stop and listen and take notice when Medicare gives you a free pass, as I like to say. Yeah. What do you think, Kim? I agree. It's it's so, this whole uh, this whole yeah. this whole risk adjustment umbrella with all the with all the payers. It's that's another thing that's not going away. That's why these that's why this is just another um, program because it's a program mm -hmm. that is expanding. So in the past, Correct. we submitted our measures strictly for the Medicare patients. So mm -hmm. this is a good example. It is now expanding to all your payers. They want to see it on all your payers. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, and so I think... It, 
right, I was just going to say it's not going anywhere. It's just going to continue to expand. And so it's really about just jumping on that train and getting involved and stay involved. Exactly. Um, really, really all it is is you're, they're trying to get providers to document better on these chronic disease processes, it, no matter whether it's MIPS, risk adjustment, you know, all these different things, PCRS. They're trying to, you know, really gain the knowledge that they are lacking on where things are at in the country with healthcare. Um, right, yeah, and ICD-10 is helping yeah. that, correct? So, yeah, ICD-10 is definitely helping that. Um, I mean, but now what's happening is they kind of give everyone a free pass for the first year of ICD-10, you know, about getting it right, making sure you're submitting, you know, um, very clear diagnosis codes that are accurate, um, yeah. making sure you're getting it specific, documenting it properly. But now what's happening is now they're going back and they're auditing um, the ICD-10 codes. They, they didn't do it for a little bit, but now they start to go back and they're auditing providers on their ICD-10. So when Medicare gives a free pass, there's always a give and take with that. So this year, they're kind of giving you a free pass with MIPS. So guaranteed, right. aside from the 4% and, and other elevated payment adjustment rates that will continue as we move forward through this, I would guarantee that there's going to be audits and, and things of that nature, just, you know, to make sure that this is what is really happening, this is what you're reporting, and it needs to be documented appropriately. Um, so like right. I said, you know, I strongly right. suggest, you know, everyone to devote the resources, you know, that will be necessary. Um, and these are things that we can help you with going forward. Absolutely, we can help you with. Absolutely. Yeah. Billing Paradise, so, you know, Kim and I are definitely, you know, set up to help um, providers strategize, you know, and get themselves in line for MIPS as it comes forward. Go ahead, Kim. Sorry. Absolutely. No, that's fine. So we went over the MIPS performance period. Did we go over uh, that? Yeah. There's still, I mean, for 1-1-2018, it, it really is the first full reporting performance period for MIPS in a full calendar year meaning from January 1 through December 31st, um, yeah. which is two years prior to the payment adjustment year. And uh, with that, payment adjustments in 2020 will be solely based on performance in 2019. The 2018 reporting requirements are still subject to change as CMS releases more information during the course of 2017. Um, and as of 331-2018, all participating providers uh, must submit all data to CMS for 2017 regardless of when the actual data collection began in 2017, no later than March 31st. Right. Yep. Right. So March 31st, that's the day when everybody submits their measures for um, their MIPS for 2017. That's your. Yeah. That's the day you got to turn in that information. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the payment adjustments, the 2019 MIPS payment adjustments, will either be a positive or a negative of up to 4% plus providers can earn up to a 12% bonus for achieving the 25th percentile or qualifying alternative payment model, um, AKA APM, um, of 5% participant incentive payment. So, uh, so they, they wanna, they so this is just another incentive. So in 2020, MIPS payment adjustment will will either be a positive or a negative of up to 5% plus, plus providers can earn up to a 15% bonus for achieving the 25, uh, 25th percentile qualifying APM, 5% participant incentive. So it's going up. 
So it starts at mm -hmm. 12 in 2019, and then it goes up to, to 15 percent. Um, yeah, you know, for that for that it, dangling. It, it could, actually goes all the way up in 2021. It goes up to seven percent, and then you get or right. positive or negative. And then yeah. you can gain up to a 21% right, bonus. 21% bonus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in 2022, uh, that's. So in 2022, it's going to go up to 9% positive or negative. Up to a 27% bonus for achieving 25% uh, 25th percentile. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Now, Kim, you want to kind of discuss uh, a little bit about the messages on the Medicare EOMBs that people will see? Right. So, yeah. So just like I was saying before, when it comes to those EOB messages, you have got to read those messages. You need to take a look. I, I know that everybody is posting electronically. Fine. Uh, we know that Medicare requires that everybody take their payment electronically into their bank account. But someone on the revenue team has got to sit back and they've got to read those messages, especially the negative messages. So um, the messages as it relates to there was a message for sequestration. It was a reduction. And that's CO253. So that's its own message. But as it pertains to uh, the MIPS um, adjustment messages, there's one that's going to be an N701 that's payment adjusted based on value-based payment modifier. There's an N699, payment adjusted based on the PQRRS incentive program. And then there's a CO237, legislative regulatory penalty, to designate when a negative or downward payment adjustment will be applied. So you got to watch for these. But just uh, my point of bringing this up and just throwing this out there today is these negative adjustments will not be the same adjustment that sequestration was. Sequestration is its own baby. It's not going to be the same. So, and you, and you still may see that CO253. You, you, I'm sure some of them, you, we, are, we are all seeing the sequestration um, percentage reduction on our payments. But just know that the, the MIPS um, negative adjustments will come with a different message. That's, mm -hmm. that's my yeah, only point on that one. Sequestration, I think, really threw a lot of people for a loop. You know, they thought they were getting penalized when other people weren't, but that was across the board, basically, because it was a reduction. Yeah, it was across the board to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, okay. For sure. So, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's why I'm saying that either a practice manager or the, the billing manager or mm -hmm. whoever it is that's leading that billing team, somebody's got to be reading those Dunning messages on the bottom of the EOB. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. So I think we're coming to the end of our presentation today, correct? We are coming to the end of our little chat. Mm -hmm. So, um, macro. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like to thank everybody, but I, I think we're, are we going to open it up for Q&A or are they going to email us? Um, I think we can take some questions and we can try to, um, we can try to uh, answer, answer some them. of those questions here. So if for any of you watching, if you have any questions, just go ahead and send them along and we'll try to answer them. And if not, um, I know that uh, we're going to want your email address to follow up with you or to, um, you know, to, uh, 
if you decide to take advantage of our um, of our uh, macro tours, yeah, our C, our free sixty minute macro. LRRA. Of course, we said that's first come first serve, and then the other the other one is the LRRA, the Lost Revenue Recovery Audit. We can do that for you um, and talk to you about uh, what's happening with your revenue cycle and where some of your what's happening with some of your uh, some of your payments. And, you know, and of course, again, we will be reading those denials and digging down into those. So if anybody has anything, that's fine. They can just send it along. Sounds good. What, what email should they be sending it to, Kim? Um, they can, I mean, they can send it to mine or yours. And mine is Kim at BillingParadise.com. Or you can send it to Holly, Holly at BillingParadise.com. Really simple. Mm -hmm. We'll get those emails uh, right away. Sounds good. So yeah, so I enjoyed our chat. We're we're going to be uh, I doing this. Our chat too. Yeah, yeah, we're we're going to be doing this going forward on a variety of different topics. Um, we're still determining if we want to do it on a monthly basis, maybe biweekly or something like that. But we'll let you know on our Facebook. Um, and please go ahead and check out Billing Paradise's Facebook page and hit like and share. Um, we'd appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I guess we want to thank everyone for joining us today. Hope it was informative. Yes, for you. thank you. Feedback. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful day, everybody. And thanks so much again. Thank See you. you soon. Bye, Holly. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye, -bye. Bye Kim.